to live unapologetically podcast with Curtis Pipes. Imagine never having to apologize for who you are. The Live Unapologetically Podcast. What's up, my beautiful people? This is Curtis Pipes, and you are listening to the Live Unapologetically Podcast. We'll just get right into it. I felt that this this episode was uh, pertinent after last week's podcast and a lot of the responses I've gotten based on that podcast. And one question was, you were really homeless? <laughs> uh, just to let you know, yes, I was homeless. I can laugh about it because I've gotten through it. I ain't homeless no more. But it definitely was a crazy time. And as I go through the story of me being homeless today, I really want you just to get from it is that one, I've overcome it. I'm no longer homeless. I'm no longer smelling piss infested concrete. And more importantly, what it took to not be homeless anymore. The person that I had to become in order to not be homeless anymore. So I just feel, you know, why waste time? Let's just get right into it. And uh, I do welcome the, the feedback and the questions. So definitely, definitely, y'all, if y'all got more questions and feedback, let me know. Let me know because this is for you. I want to give it to you as best as I possibly can so you all go out there and live unapologetically. As simple as that because you deserve it. So I was homeless. Yes, I was homeless. And it all started with me being pulled to leave my hometown. And I decided to leave 2009, I believe, 2009, because at that time in my life, I was a group fitness instructor and I was working for Les Mills. And so anyone from the group fitness world who knows Les Mills, they have amazing programs. And I caught the bug because I took my first certification. It was in body combat. And I can't lie to you, before I did, I was like, what the hell am I getting myself into? I was on my way out of the fitness industry. And because there was no upward movement, upward movement, excuse me, I felt at the gym that I was at. I was a plies instructor. I was a freelance group fitness instructor. I was a personal trainer. So I wanted to do more. And I felt at that time that I couldn't. So I'm out. <laughs> and so... Even though I was teaching body combat and caught the bug and I got some more certifications, started teaching body pump and body attack and, and all these all these amazing launches and everything, I would watch the DVDs at home, getting ready for launches and just, you know, learning my choreography. And I was like, you know what? There's really nothing here for me as far as progress in my career. So I'm leaving. And I begin to tell people that I was leaving Columbia. And they're like, where are you going? And Columbia, Missouri. So Columbia, Missouri is between St. Louis and Kansas City. And um, back then, as now, I consider it a town, even though it's grown. Um, I still consider it a town. I don't care. Even though it's changed a lot, still a damn town to me. But anyway, I was telling people that I was moving, I was leaving. It's like, where are you going? St. Louis, Kansas City. Because most of the time, people who left Columbia didn't move that far away. Like Kansas City and St. Louis are about equally the same time away from Columbia, about an hour and a half. Just depends on how fast you're going down I-70. And I was like, no, I'm moving to New Zealand. And most people at that time, and this is telling my age a little bit, bonker, I'm happy to say my age. I'm, I'm still here breathing, so you know what? I'm grateful. 
but they didn't know anything about New Zealand mostly at all. The only thing they did know was Lord of the Rings. And they're like, where's New Zealand? So I literally had to get a globe. I did, did this to one of my friends. I got a globe and spun it around. And I said, this is where New Zealand is. Now, if you can imagine, they're like, what? You're moving that far away? You're not going to know anyone. What are you going to do? And at that point in my life, a lot of the shit that I was going through, it's like, you know what? Not knowing anyone is probably a good thing. It's like, I couldn't imagine. What about your family? And um, family is one of the top values that I was raised with. So my mom and my sister were in Columbia, and I was going to be leaving them. But I was like, if it doesn't work out, I can always come back home. It's not like home is going to say, nope, you can't come back. So I put it out there. Started talking about it. And one of the first things they always say, when you want something to change, you want to manifest something. You gotta talk about it. Start talking, talking, talking it into reality. Talking, talking it into existence. So I started telling everybody about it. And I got pushback. I won't even lie. Like you're always gonna get pushback, no matter what you want to achieve in your life. That's just how it is, people. There's not not everyone is gonna be on board with you and what you want to do in your life. But it's in those moments that you got to embrace. You really have to embody, and you really have to hold dear what you want to achieve in your life. Because if you don't, it will fly away like leaves in the wind and you'll be easily manipulated, easily controlled, easily coerced by other people's words and actions. You won't do shit. So knowing that I, I took it personally, like some of my friends, they're like, are you sure? And I was like, uh, why aren't you, you know, saying awesome. Let me help you out. What do you need? Like I took that personally that some people that I knew that are, my, that are my friends are like, really? Are you sure about that? And I was like, damn, okay, well, screw that. Not like I didn't stop being, not like I stopped being friends with him, but I was taken back by that. But where did the people, where the presenters and people did the uh, the videos that I, that I would learn from was in Auckland. So what I did was I put out feelers. I, I got in contact with three places. And um, I said Palmerston North, and Topo, if I'm saying that correctly, my Kiwis don't murder me for saying that incorrectly. And um, Auckland, what I did about Auckland was they gave me a suburb called New Lynn. And I looked at these people, looked at these places in detail, like how far they were from Studio One that was the studio, and how far they were from the city gym. And Palmerston North, from my recollection, was the farthest one away. So that was option C. And then Topo was option B. And New Lynn was option A. Okay. Now, the way that it worked out was I gave out the same email to all three. Told them my aspirations, what I, my certifications are, what my dream is. Told them everything. Now, in a perfect world, people, <laughs> my option one, or New Lynn, would have came through first. Option C came through first. Palmerston North came through first. It was the other university. It's like, great. Let us know. You know, send over your passport picture, all this information. We'll get the visa started, um, process started for you immediately. But something was telling me to hold off. And I advise you, this is another lesson as we go through this story, is always listen to your intuition. If you feel something in your body that just isn't right, or if you feel something in your body that is right, pay attention to it. Don't allow yourself to stray away from it. Just don't do it. So it told me to hold off, so I held off. 
Now, the second option was the second one to get in touch with me. New Lynn was not getting in touch with me. That was Tapo. But that was also an opportunity to become a manager at a facility, which I have not been yet, which would have been cool. I got to teach, but also be a manager. And I was asking about the facility and, you know, where they do the classes. They do them on a hardwood floor. It's like, do you have a stage? And he's like, yeah, but it's rickety. And, you know, I was th- I'm thinking of changes already to make before I even got the job that I would make if I, if I went to Tapo. And still something was telling me to hold off. At this time... People ask me, have you heard anything back? Have you heard anything back? You're still going to go. I still can't believe you're going. I'm like, nah, man. I mean, I heard from these first two places, but it's just not where I want to go. It's just not where I want to go. I want to go to New Lynn because all I got to do is hop a bus and I can get to Studio One. And so I held off, held off, held off, held off. And for a good month, I heard nothing from New Lynn's uh, group fitness manager, but I kept, I stayed persistent. I stay persistent because how you want things to go in your life, people, it's not how it's going to turn out more than 80% of the time. Simple as that. How you want things to turn out are not going to turn out the way you want them to turn out. So I would give him, send him messages, send him messages, send him messages. Never heard anything back. Send emails. Never heard anything back. Finally, I heard something back and they apologized. The, G, the group fitness manager apologized because he, he was going through some personal stuff. Cool going through personal things I can understand that here's my DVDs please look at them when you get the chance sent them over he looked down cool still heard nothing back for weeks now when I finally heard something back I was getting ready for um, a new launch of the new releases so I was in my living room and I had oh, I'm, oh, I lived with I had a roommate but he was never there so it's basically my my place he eventually moved out which is fine by me because he was dirty as hell anyway but that's here nor there but I pushed my furniture back out of the living room so I had enough room to move around. And, and I was sweating all over the place. Like, literally, I'm a sweater when I work out. And what, what is it that The Rock says? You know, blood, sweat, and respect. The first two you give, the third one you earn. So I was definitely in my room, in my living room, giving up my sweat every now and then, man. If I doing, like, burpees and stuff because of body tech, I give up my blood because of rug burn. But on this day, I was preparing for Body Combat 42. Sweating all over the place and, you know, accidentally kicking the wall. I even kicked my TV. Thank God it didn't break. I know my neighbors were probably upset when they got home from work to hear me yelling and, and screaming and the music, but I didn't care. And then my, uh, my, my, my LG QWERTY phone lit up and I got an email. And so I checked it to see what it was. And it was from the GFM of New Lynn. And I was like, oh. like literally my heart stopped for a quick second. And then it sped up real quick. Because I'm like, what the hell is he going to say? What the hell is he going to say? Basically, we checked out your DVDs. We would love to see that talent. And I told people before, if I get the opportunity to go to New Lynn, I'm leaving. There is no ifs, ands, buts about it. I'm gone. So the first person I told, I called my mom up. I was like, mom, I'm out. I'm moving to New Zealand. There's nothing but crickets on the phone. It's pure silence. And the next thing I heard was, uh, 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 okay. And my mom's my number one fan. My mom's my best friend. My mom's my queen. But she even told me that part of her did not want me to go, but she knew it was my dream. So she was going to support me tenfold. I'm like, thank you, mom. I appreciate it. But then I told all my other friends, I'm out. Pie. See you. I'm out. Deuces. Told everybody I was leaving. So that was in December. Two months later, I was over in New Zealand. February 10th, I was in New Zealand. And when I got there, 
It was amazing. Unfortunately, I, the person I was supposed to rent a room from, he didn't get my email, and I didn't see his until I got off the plane in New Zealand, and I got a new SIM card from my phone, from Vodafone, and I saw that he sent me a message saying he rented out my room. And uh, I was like, crap, I have no place to stay. What the hell am I going to do now? Jesus. So I went to the Vodafone store in the airport and told him my situation. It's like, look, there's an Airbus that will take you from the airport, and it will take you to middle of Auckland on Queen Street. I'm like, cool, that'll work. So told the Airbus bus driver my story. He's like, you know, get on the bus. I'll take you to Queen Street. There's a bunch of hostels that you can stay in, and you can, you can get yourself a room there. I was like, cool. So got down to Queen Street, was in complete all the entire time. I got to walk through this mural, this Maori, uh, this Maori mural, excuse me, which is the the uh, the natives of New Zealand. I was like, oh, like if you've ever seen the All Blacks play when they do the um, the haka before they go into battle on the field, that's basic. That's taken from the Maori culture, and gets gives me goosebumps even thinking about it. Like there's nothing like it. So I got to walk through a. A Modi mural as I was going through the airport. It's like, man, I'm in New Zealand. I can't believe this. Oh my God. And got on the bus, got to Queen Street, and I, the bus driver was talking to me. I didn't hear half the stuff he was saying because I was just in awe that I was actually in Auckland, close to Studio One. And finally came to and listened to what he was saying. He's like, look, there's a hostel right behind you. Just go in there and they'll give you a room. Uh, good luck took my three bags I left with two suitcases and a duffel bag in my duffel bag I had every single Lesmo release that I ever had so basically two years three years worth of DVDs and duffel bag but anyway got into the hostel got a room first thing I did was find New Lynn got on the bus went to New Lynn missed the stop but luckily the bus driver was nice enough I literally took the entire bus route i was the last one on he's like where are you going he's like new lane he's like you should have got off five stops ago so he got me on a different bus didn't have to pay a fee got to new lynn met my my manager he's like why aren't you got any workout clothes like i literally just got here i showed up at the gym y'all in jandals that's flip-flops for my americans cargo pants or cargo shorts and a white t-shirt so I watched him teach, and I idled him from body pump his name is matt thrax and i like i i he just inspired me y'all and so watch him do his thing on stage. It's like, Jesus. So then I got to teach with him, teach with him a couple of times, shadow with him, nerve-wracking, got made fun of, like I mentioned in the first podcast, for my Kiwi peeps. But it wasn't like I thought it was going to be. Like I mentioned earlier, things are not going to work out the way you want them to. I thought that I was going to come over there and, you know, not necessarily wreck shop because I'm in a whole different country. And one of the first meetings I ever had was with an amazing woman named Mid Thomas. I love you to death to this day that she told me this because a lot of my work ethic comes from this phrase that she told me in our meeting. She asked me, how's my trip and why am I here? And I told her because I want to learn from the best. I want to be the best person I could be to impact as many lives on this planet as possible. And she was like, look, I don't know how you were, where you came from. But I need you to look at it like this. We have a lot of people who come over here and they get disappointed. You are now, if you were a big fish where you're from, you're now a big fish in a small pond amongst other big fish. Now, I don't know about you, 
but I was blown back by that. But at the same time, I was like, all right, cool, bring it on, let's do this. So I continued to work. I went to advanced certifications and I got I got all the training, all the shadows, everything. I went to the, the top people's classes so I can watch them move and what they say and how they interact with the crowd. Like I was a student, y'all. I was a student and always wanted to be a student because as soon as you think you're a master, you're done. You're done. You just think you know everything and that's when you're done. Simple as that. And so went to a lot of classes and at the same time I was still staying in the hostel couldn't find a flat that's a room for my American people they call it flats couldn't find a flat and so what I did was just keep staying at the hostel sometimes I had to change rooms but at the same time I was staying at the hostel I had to go get food from the store so long story short my money ran out so I couldn't stay at the hostel anymore I couldn't pay for a room anyway so what happened to me was at first was that they knew me so well there they thought assumed that I still stayed at the hostel and I didn't. So I stayed in people's rooms or I would stay in the theater room and there's security that came around at certain times of the night to make sure people were not sleeping in the theater room because that was illegal. You sit there and watch TV or you go back to your room. But I knew, I knew when they were going to be coming by. So the phone that I had my, at that time that my QWERTY uh, LG phone broke, so I had a, uh, a Nokia phone that barely worked at all. But at least the alarm worked, so I set it to, to wake me up to act like I was watching a movie so security wouldn't think that I was just sleeping there. That happened every now and then. But eventually that ran out too, so I began to sleep on the streets. And this is where all the emails or all the messages that I got, like, were you really homeless? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I was homeless. And needless to say, it wasn't fun. I spent nights on the streets. I, since I didn't have money... I literally would go to a bar that was connected to the hostel, rock up in there because I knew the bartender, I knew the, the bouncer at the front door, and I would wait till drunk people would drop their money. And you know if someone like drops their money on the floor and you want that money, you know how you sneakily put your shoe on it and you wait till they leave and then you you know move your shoe to the side or you act like you're going to tie your shoe and you pick up that money? That's what I did a lot of the time. It would be like, couple bucks here sometimes people drop a 20 when someone dropped a 20 because it was a, a, a backpacker bar I mean just people who were traveling to New Zealand they would go down there and spend their money get wasted off that ass and if they dropped a 20 it was like Christmas but so I was stealing money and I even had to steal food like this is one of the crazy stories that I tell people and they can't believe it but it happened on numerous numerous occasions you know how you go to the supermarket and they have those containers in the store where it has like snacks in it, so it's like a little bucket. It has an assort. The section of the store has an assortment of snacks in these little buckets, and you have this little shovel. You take some out, you put them in a in a bag, and you buy it. Well, when I didn't have the money to buy it, I would steal it. But I wouldn't steal a bag. I would just act like a customer wanting to try the snacks to see what I like. So I would literally try every single bucket that I possibly could without looking suspicious and the store was it was a supermarket uh, New World so I'll go up and rock up in New World and I would do this and, and try not to look uh, suspicious at all and sometimes that would be my breakfast my lunch and my dinner and then some other times I just wouldn't eat and since I didn't have a place to stay like I, like some my friends would leave I mean it was such a a, uh, a place since it was a, t a touristy place, a transient place. People would come and go. 
and I didn't have any friends at the hostel, so I had to stay on the street. I stayed around the corner. There's the bar, I think it was Global Globe Bar that was attached to the hostel I stayed in. Then there was a bar down the street called Margarita. And there's some stairs around the corner of Margarita that I would that I would stay on. And it was a the, the entrance to whatever building was blocked off. So I literally slept on those stairs. And I would hear the loud music of Margarita and screaming and yelling and people chanting the songs and can't remember half the songs that were big at that time, but I would hear them as I'm sitting there laying on the concrete and praying that when they would come out, they would drop money on the ground so I can take their money. And more often than not, I would be sleeping there, but since they were so fucking drunk, they just, they weren't paying any attention. They would go over there away from me where I'm sleeping and they would vomit or they would make out or whatever it would be. But I didn't give two shits as long as they dropped some money. <laughs> you could do whatever you want as long as you ain't on me. Just drop some money so I could buy some food, please. And yeah, it was insane. It was so insane. But every Friday, because I wanted to try to keep a habit as much as I possibly can. Keep a routine as much as I possibly can. Now, with my three bags, you may be asking, what did you do with the three bags? I left them in the hostel. So what I would do is get all my clothes for the day and go back out and spend all day out. But on Fridays, what I would do is I would go and make myself so fresh and so clean. Thank you, Outcast, for that song. And shave and do whatever I needed to just so I could feel good about myself. Because no one knew back home that I was homeless. No one knew. Like, I wasn't going to tell people that I was homeless at home or homeless in New Zealand. Because even though it would be easy to go home, I said, no, I was meant to be homeless. I was meant to be homeless because it was something I had to go through in order to get what I desired. I wanted to be the best instructor, the greatest instructor I possibly can and learn from the greatest in the world so I can impact it. Thousands of people. So if this is part of my journey, I'm going to fucking do it. Even though, smell the piss on the concrete, even though, stealing food, stealing money, it was all part of my journey. This is, I had to be a certain person in order for me to get those classes. And I was not that person yet. So this goes into the fact of asking yourself, people, asking yourself as you listen to my story and you're looking to have something else occur in your life. You're looking for something to come into your life that you have been talking about. Are you being the person to allow that to come into your space? I was not the instructor I needed to be in order to get classes. Sometimes I would get offered a substitute class. And I didn't have the money for the bus fare, so I couldn't take the class. And then when I took the class, I think I got like 40, 45 bucks for the hour. Then I would go to the store and get food. I wouldn't buy crap food, even though it was cheap. I still buy the healthy food because my body was my job. And I wanted to make sure that I was at tip-top fitness for whenever I got a class again. So I would buy the expensive stuff. Then it comes around to get another class. Maybe the next day, I spent my money on food so I can actually get food. And I wouldn't have money to go out to the to the club wherever it may be for the for the cover class. And it was crazy. And I, I would have to I would have to like sneak my food into the hostel just to have it in a refrigerator. Other times I had it on the streets with me and I had to hurry up and eat it so it wouldn't go bad because I did not want to eat 
bad food. Every now and then I had to eat something that was like bread or something like that that I thought would stay for a while. I'd eat like semi-old moldy-ass bread. But I was still free from the hostel. Like the good thing about the hostel is that people easily carry around eggs, bread, and peanut butter. So I'd rock up in there. Like I said, they thought that I lived there. I'd just rock up like I own a place, go to the kitchen, steal food, make me some eggs or whatever it may be, and then leave. But that's what I had to do in order to get what I wanted. Sometimes I even had to ration out medium pizzas. Like to this day, every single time I see a medium Domino's pizza, I laugh. Because the bar that was affiliated with the hostel... Sometimes, or no, every Thursday, every Thursday, they were able to get pizzas, free pizzas from Domino's. It was, it was like a, a partnership. And so the people at the bar knew me, so they would allow me to get a pizza. I had to ration out, when I was able to get a pizza, ration out eight pieces of pizza over a week. So I couldn't eat a piece a day. I had to eat a bite here, a bite there, so I made sure I had enough. So when I was hungry, I would still have some left. Eight pieces of pizza over a week in hopes, in hopes, I would get a medium pizza the next next week. Or, in hopes, people would drop their, their money on the ground so I could buy food from the store. And when I didn't have money for food, when I didn't have medium pizza, the one thing that I had to go to, if I didn't have eggs from or bread from the hostel that I could steal... What I had to do was I would steal these little peanut butter packets. Like they're no bigger than a silver dollar for my U.S. people. Um, they don't have silver dollars in Aussie or Kiwi, I can't think. But it's like an inch long cup, maybe about a half inch wide, of peanut butter. Basically, you can get two knifefuls of peanut butter out of there maybe to spread on your bread. But I would go to the stores, go to the, to the um, convenience stores, and take handfuls, I would steal handfuls, and eat those. Since I didn't have silverware sometimes, I used my finger. If I was able to get a plastic fork or something like that, I'd get a plastic fork. But I would eat that, I would eat those little peanut butter packets. I have one in my bag to this day. I lived in New Zealand from 2010 to roughly 2014. And I got to go back to New Zealand, got to go back to my spiritual home. I don't know about a year and a half ago and I saw one of those packets it's ETA peanut butter ETA peanut butter and I took one and I have it in my bag to this day as a reminder as a reminder of what I've gone through in my life and what I was able able to overcome you're going to go through things in your life that are going to seem like they're insurmountable you're going to go through things in life that are going to make you question yourself and if you're capable of overcoming them. But when you do, when you go through the next thing in your life that seems like you can't overcome it, you have that memory. You have that experience. You have that moment. You have those memories. You have those habits of that time you overcame something you did not think that you can overcome. So that peanut butter packet to me is a reminder of what I've gone through and that if I got through that or since I got through that, I can get through anything damn else in my life. But I was homeless and it was insane. It was so insane. And luckily, luckily, I was able to get a job with the bar that was affiliated with the hostel. 
so I had some room and board. Now, mind you, mind you, I still was not teaching regular, regularly. I did not have my own class, so I still had no money, but at least I had a bed. So I was homeless for, uh, I don't know, a few weeks or so. Yeah, 14, about 14 days. No more than three weeks for sure. But there were times where I would have to, like if I was trying to earn money during the day, um, I still do it to this day. I write songs and produce songs, but I would you know, like rap on the street and stuff like that, and people would drop coins. But most of my money came at night. And it was just a trying time. Like I really, really was close to calling home. Like, Mom, I'm homeless. I, I can't do this anymore. Just can you, can you please send me some money so I can come home? Please come home because I can't do this anymore. And you're going to have those moments where you really think you can't do it anymore. It's just, it's, it gets overbearing. It gets too much weight on your shoulders. But like I said earlier, it was what I had to go through. It's what I had to go through to become the person in order to achieve my dreams. So I did not tell her. I did not call home. I just did not do it. So I stuck it out. But as I was working at the bar, still not having food, but able to steal more money from the floor because I worked inside the bar, so people were dropping money left and right. I was able to get out to more classes so I can watch, so I can shadow, so I can teach. I was still upskilling myself because, like I said, always the student, man. Always the student. So I was stealing money from the bar, not from the behind the bar. Now I would do that because I love my I love my bosses. They were cool as shit. Loved them to death. And but I was taking money from the floor. But it was still a trying time. So as I was not eating, I was still going to the classes, still working out. So I lost a lot of weight real fast. There was a point, I think in a matter of seven to ten days, I lost, gosh, seven to ten days, I lost like six, seven pounds. Which for me, I'm a little guy anyway. Like I'm 5'5". Five, five. At that time, I was about 150, so me to lose that much weight did not look good on me. But I, since I was there, I was lean. People were like, oh, you're in great shape. You're lean. I'm sitting there thinking, you know, you're working out. Like, right, you can eat anything. I was like, actually, you all, if I decided to tell them anyway, I'm not eating. But I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, I work out a lot and I do my thing. So, yeah, I'm just in good shape. The whole time, my stomach was growling. My stomach's growling because I'm hungry. And they're most likely telling me this. Or most of the time they were telling me this. When we were sitting around and they're eating food. And the only thing I'm doing is just taking up as much of the smell as I possibly can. <laughs> but eventually I started to get in more covers. Eventually I started to make money. And the whole time I was stealing. The whole time I was stealing food. Stealing money. I always had this voice in my head. I was telling me, not too much longer are you going to have to do this. Not too much longer are you going to have to do this. And when it started getting closer to the time I wasn't going to be doing that anymore, it was like, okay, you're getting close. Be careful. Be careful. You don't need to steal today. Be careful. The turning point of me not stealing anymore was like something from God came down. There was a morning where I was starving. I was staying in the hospital at this point. Because I had the job, I had no food. I was freaking hungry, so I went up to the I went up to the the kitchen in the hostel, and at this point I had a bag that had my name on it, but no food. And every now and then I would steal food from other people's bags and put it in my bag. But there were no eggs in my bag at this morning. I wanted eggs, so I stole some eggs. I stole some bread, made some food, 
And then I left to go take some classes that, that morning. I was coming back from my classes, and a guy that I was staying with in the hostel, he was out in front of the hostel. I was like, yo, man, what's up? And he's like, oh, I got kicked out. I'm like, oh, shit, man, that's fucked up. I was like, wow, what happened? And he's like, oh, they caught me on camera stealing fruit from the, uh, stealing food from the kitchen. And immediately, my heart dropped. Like, my stomach dropped. Because I was in there that morning, and I stole food. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm about to get kicked out. I'm about to get kicked out. And nothing ever happened. Nothing ever happened. And he went in there that morning after me. Because I asked him what time he went, and he's like about 8.30 or something like that. I went there 7 or whatever it was. So I wasn't, it wasn't that far, it wasn't that long after me. But they caught him on video. I don't know how they didn't catch me. Because it's not like I tried, I was like, no, it's not like I knew where the cameras were, and I tried to stay out of the camera's range or the camera's focus, like, you know, Ocean's 11 or Ocean's 8, whatever. Had no idea where the cameras were. To this day, I don't know how to get caught. To this day, I don't question it. To this day, I say thank you, though. But that was the sign. That was the sign, the event. When that voice said, you don't have to steal anymore. You're good. You're good. I got you. Because you have put in the work since you've been here. You've gone to classes still. You kept your faith. You kept your spirits up. You're still learning. You're still, you're still doing what you need to do to become the person to get the class that you want and the life that you want that you traveled 13,000 miles to get. I got you. So I didn't steal after that. Now, did it turn around right away? Nope. Sure did not. I still sometimes didn't have money for classes. Mom would put money, she started putting money in my account so I, could, I was able to, thanks to the currency, have more money in New Zealand than I have at home. So I was able to go to classes and pay for the train and pay for the bus. So I was able to get the 40 to $45 per hour. So I'd have money for food. So things started turning around. Started getting more covers. People started knowing me more at my gym in New Lynn. And at that point, I had a rapport with that we would clown each other in class. And like, I'm one of those people that I'm very competitive. Like, if you put me up against the rock and be like, do you think you can beat him? I'm like, uh, yeah. Yeah, I could beat him because that's just the kind of person I am. I don't back down. So when I was teaching, I had that same, I ain't backing down from nobody. I know this is your country, but this is my stage. So we would talk so much shit to each other. We had so much smart, elegant banter in our class, in my classes, in our classes. Like if I, they thought that I was taking repetition off, they called me out. They would just start yelling. So I'm like, oh, okay, okay, I got you. And I would change tracks in the middle of class to make it harder. Because I'm like, you ain't going to talk shit in my class and get away with it. So we had, I had that rapport, but eventually, eventually, after eight months, my GM, Matt Thraxon, said, how would you like to have your own class? Um, yes, please. Friday, 4.30, body combat. It was uh, amazing. Granted, it was I got the class because the person I was teaching it didn't want to teach on Friday afternoons anymore, but I'm like, I don't care. Uh, yes, please. So turn that class into my own, more people started coming. They got used to my teaching. They got used to my Americanistic character. Don't know if that's a word, but I made it a word. Anyway, and so I rocked that class out until I had to leave New Zealand. But that was the first class. And then after that, I can't remember when I got my next class, but I started getting more classes. And I started getting more notoriety with the people that I idolized from the DVDs. And so I got to give input to 
body combat to classes that they were going to come out with. Then eventually I ended up on DVDs. and I wasn't a presenter, but I got to be in the crowd. If you're a Les Mills person, look at the first seven, seven releases of Les Mills Grit. I'm in that bad boy sweating it up, having a great time. I got to teach on Studio One, and I can tell you right now that when I got that call to cover in Studio One Body Combat for my two idols, Dan and Rach, I went there early, and all I did was sit on stage, and I seriously reflected on every single thing I had to get, I had to go through to get to this point. Even before I left home, I went through those moments too. The not wanting to do combat, the injuries, the Black eye and body combat. That's another story for another day. I got a black eye and it's non-contact class. Go figure. Just all the stuff that I had to go through. Leaving home. Leaving my family. Leaving my friends. All of that. Leaving someone I deeply cared about. To to going over to New Zealand. To getting off the plane and not having a place to sleep. Going to the hostel, staying at the hostel, running out of money, being homeless, piss infested steps, rapping on the corner for change, stealing food, stealing money, all of that. Still keeping my faith. I went to church on Thursdays. I taught four classes at one point, but every Thursday before that, I would go to a church, the St. Patrick's Church, I think it is. It's right down from Sky Tower in, in the city, in Auckland City. And I would sit there and just talk. Like dump all my thoughts, all my feelings, all my emotions. I would just talk everything out. Because I felt that I was in it by myself. Because no one knew the struggles I was going through. No one knew the challenges that I was going through. So I would just go in there, talk to God. Like, look man, I'm going through this. You got a plan for me, so I'm just going to stay the course, and it's hard. You know, my stomach's growling. Can can you help me out a little bit? But I'm here. I'm not going nowhere. I feel lonely. I'm depressed. I don't think I can do it. Just all this. I'm not worthy of being here. It was a comparison game. Like, all this stuff, I would just dump inside church, and then continue on my journey. But I thought about all of that as I sat on studio and went before the class. People started coming into the class. I put on the music so they had something to listen to and they were looking at me like, who is this dude? Because I can tell you right now, the expectation to teach on Studio One, not not just by the GFM or that gym, not just by the instructors who teach on that stage, but also by the participants. You better be on your A game. And the only thing that I could do was be me. And that's exactly what I did. So I called them out in class. My first class there, I called them out. Had my A game as far as my technique and my cues and everything. And then they loved it. I loved it. It was a dream come true to teach on Studio One. I still have a picture from that class. I was so grateful, so thankful of everything that I got through to get to that point. Because they saw the work that I did to that point in order for me to get on that stage and rock it out. Eventually, I started covering a class on a Sunday at Studio One, Body Combat. And it got to the point I was covering someone. When it's time for me to leave, they wanted me to keep the class because I because of the numbers I brought in. I brought in like two, 200 people on a Sunday, which was pretty big. But I said no because at that point I was teaching a whole bunch of classes and I need time to rest my body. But it's the whole thing, this story, the reason I'm telling you this is because you're going to go through hard-ass times. It's not going to go... How you want it to go. Never. 
ever, 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 ever. Unless you're counting one plus two, you know the outcome. The outcome is three. But when you're trying, when you're going for a different way of life, when you're changing your lifestyle, you have to be a certain person. The person I was being in Columbia, Missouri was not the person that was going to get the classes, was not the person I needed to be in order to be at the level that I needed to be to get that first class and not the second class and not the third class and then not the opportunities to be on DVDs and not the one to teach at, at, um, at workshops. I was not that person. I didn't. I, I didn't get to. I wasn't that person. At least in their eyes, it's like two years down the line. But going through that homeless stage was the defining moment of whether I go home or either I stay, and I see what the hell happens. So I told myself, like I mentioned earlier, I told myself, you know what? This is part of your journey. You're supposed to be here. I can't go home. This is part of my journey. I came here for a reason. I came here to I came over here to achieve my dream. And if part of my dream is smelling piss, if part of my dream is stealing stealing little peanut butter packets, then so be it. Because at the end of it all is my dream. And it's about the long game. Because seriously, if I was playing the short game, as soon as I got off the plane and realized I didn't have a place to stay, I would have been back on the plane. I would have called home like, ah, nope, don't have a place to stay, not going to do this. But I stayed. And you are gonna, and all of you who are listening to this story, who are listening to this, this podcast, you are going to have to stick it out because it is inevitably about the long game. If it's about the short game for you, when you're out there trying to accomplish your goals and the first time you hit some turbulence, the first time you hit some hardship and the challenge is too much and you get emotional about it, you will no longer have progress because you cannot have emotion and progress at the same time. It doesn't work. So all my fitness junkies out there, my fitness freaks, when you have that rep- that, that, that uh, repetition that freaking hurts and you're tired or some entrepreneurs when you ain't got no sales coming through so you think that you're not worthy or if you, I'll go back to the gym analogy and that repetition's hard you feel like a failure you're tired and you're all in your feels and your emotions my entrepreneurs you're all in your feels and your emotions and you stop you have just stopped all progress but if you stick it out and you work yourself through the emotions and that repetition's hard as hell in your arms or your legs or whatever exercise you're doing the deadlift whatever it is or you're doing a a power clean, you have one more to go, but it fucking hurts. Or you're an entrepreneur, like I said, you ain't got no sales coming through, but you got five more calls. You can possibly get one more sell through besides saying, fuck it, it's Friday, I'm going to go out, it's not worth it. I've been on calls all day and I haven't got one sale. But if you stick it out, if you see it through and get over your emotions and more importantly, get over your ego, you get progress. You get that one last repetition in, which means just growth. You get that sale because you took those last five calls, so now you've made some money. But it's because you didn't allow emotions to stop you that you were able to progress. And it's so flipping hard. There's a time in my life when I lived in New Zealand that I was I overtrained. I was overworking myself, people. I was overworking myself. I had 24 classes in seven days, and they were all high intensity. 
all high intensity classes. And I was teaching one class one night, I was teaching grit plyo at the time, in studio one, I had my own permanent class at that point. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I injured myself. I went to do a long forward jump. And I went to bring my feet through. Think of a long jumper when they pull their legs through so they can get extra length in their jump before they hit the sand. That's basically what I tried to do without collapsing on the floor. But my foot got caught on the floor and my ankle rolled. Now, I believe there's three levels to ligament tears before you have to get surgery. I was closest to a three without getting surgery. But I, I, I could feel my body going into shock. I could feel the color going away from my face, and I still had to teach. So I had to focus on them jumping to keep me from passing out. But I had to teach for the next five, ten minutes on all fours with my head down so I could breathe and not pass out. When class was over, went to the side of the room, took off my shoe. My ankle swelled, was so swollen. But since I was a group fitness instructor, that's the only way I got paid, I had to continue to teach. But I got these really expensive ankle braces to put on. Or ankle brace to put on. The following week, I did the same thing in the same type of class to the other ankle. Now I don't know if that's I don't know what else what other challenge I could get, but those are my ankles. I need my legs. I need my feet to teach. I missed four classes. Not only just because I had to teach to keep getting money because I was living on my own, but because I love what I do. I love it. You know, I don't teach anymore. I, you put the microphone on me and give me body combat right now. I swear to God, I'll be acting like a little kid. But those kind of challenges. I could have looked for a different type of job instead of resting up, going to physio four or five times a week and finding ways to still make money. I would go to class. What I did was I wouldn't do the high options. Even my members, my members would not let me do the high options. They wanted me to heal. So I, I would not do the jumps. I would walk across the stage because my ankles hurt so damn bad. But I had to do what I had to do. One, to make money because I didn't want to be homeless again. I did enough. I did that work and I was like, you know what? I deserve more than that. I deserve not to be homeless. Even when I was homeless, I was still telling myself, you know what? You deserve more than this. And because I knew that I did, as you do, wherever you are in your life and you want more, you deserve more than what you're giving yourself right now. You deserve more than the effort that you're giving right now. Until you change your effort, you're not going to get more. You're not going to receive more. Because the universe sees what you're doing. And if you're not really, you're telling the universe through your words that you want more, but your actions and your habits are not matching that, you're going to be in the same place. So I deserve not to be homeless again. So I did what I had to do to make it work until I was able to do my classes again like I wanted to. You're going to have to continue to do things that you don't want to do that are not the best of your ability, those long yards. So to bring it to where I am, not be homeless. You got to keep doing those administrative crap or the phone calls or going to the gym and eating the food that you don't want to eat until you get to your weight or until you get those sales to get to that monthly income or that yearly income. Then you can delegate. But at least when you get to that weight goal, going back to the fitness, you know exactly what it takes to get there and what it is to maintain it. But that's what it takes. It's not easy in any way, shape, or form. But I love telling the story of me being homeless because I laugh my ass off at it. It's like, damn, I was seriously eating small peanut butter packets, ETA peanut butter. 
damn, I really had to ration out meaty and pizzas over a week. Damn, I was seriously eating little snacks out of those little buckets. Stealing food from the store. I don't feel bad about it. Because it's what I had to do. But I had that voice. I had that intuition. I was so in tune with me and what I wanted to do. That my intuition told me. Okay. You have to steal for now. But it ain't going to last too much longer. And let me know when that last time was. It gave me the clue. Look. You didn't get caught like this man. You're done. Don't steal again. And I didn't. But you got to go through those hard yards. You're going to have to go through it. But that's when your character and how much you want it is going to really be shown to you. Your character is easy when all things are going great. Everyone's character is great when everything's going great. You're all happy. You're positive. You know, the opportunities and the thoughts are limitless. But when you're in the trenches, when things are not going your way, you're emotional, you're stressed, you're pissed off, you're crying, you're starving, you're, you can't do anything right at home, or your wife, or your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, are saying you're no good, you're not man enough, you're not woman enough, or your kids say they don't love you, and stuff like that, that's when your character truly comes out. Because next thing you know, when you're in that negative state, the inner critic is coming out, your, your thoughts are limited, you, only, you can't be a limitless thinker, because you're not happy. But that's when you get resourceful. That's when you take a step back and take a small step and look at what you are able to do in this moment. Be honest with yourself. Are you giving the most ever you can? No. Okay, so how? What's the first? What's the next thing I can do? What's the next thing I can do so I'm not sleeping on piss infested concrete the next night? Granted, I had to sneak in the hostel. What is the next thing I can do? To go buy food from the store. Make the choice of not going out to New Lynn on the bus. Use what money I did have thanks to my mom putting money in my account to buy some food. But you get resourceful. You have to be resourceful. Everything you need, you already have. You just have to access it. You have to allow the space in your life to access it, to receive it. And then you can give from that. When your cup is full, then you can give. But when your cup ain't full, the only thing you're trying to worry about is making sure your cup is not empty. <laughs> My stomach was empty sometimes, but that's just how it is. That's how it was. My homeless story is a great one. I will never forget it. Like I said, I have a small packet of peanut butter in my in my gym bag. When things aren't going right, or I'm just in that in, in that mental space, I pull out that little small thing of peanut butter and I look at it, and just remember how it was for me, and I got through it. So whatever I'm going through right now, I can get through that too, and you can get through whatever it is that you're going through in your life. Because you had that one moment in your life before that you got through something you didn't think that you could get through. But you know what? You got through it. You got through it. So pull from that experience. But be thankful. Be grateful for those hard times. Because that's where your character builds. That's where you do grow. And it shows you what you're made of. And it also shows you how much you really want. You What you really want. But it's great. Great, great, 
great experience in my life. I would never change it. Like I said, New Zealand is my spiritual home. I grew there so much in my life. I think I grew there. I don't even think I know. I grew there more in almost four years than I did in 30 years in the United States. As a person, as a man, as a spiritual being, I grew there so much more. So much more. But always remember why you started the journey you're on. That's what got me through. Faith. Believing. Remembering why I wanted to go in the first place. And not one journey is going to be like the other. When you're thinking of somebody else. Your journey is going to be completely different. That's just how it is. But remember why you start your journey. Remember why you want to accomplish what you want to accomplish. And remember that things are not going to go the way that you want them to go. There are going to be times where the shit hits the fan. And you got to clean yourself off and keep on walking. But if you keep walking, that means you're getting closer to what you want to ultimately achieve, what you ultimately want to accomplish in your life. As soon as you give in to the emotion, you will be at the same spot. You will not get closer. You could possibly get further away because you would not be making any progress. None. Nada. It's all about the progress. It's all about the growth. Man, I love that story. Thinking about it now, after I get out this podcast, I'm going to go look at my bag at that piece, that little thing of peanut butter. It's nuts. It's crazy to think that. Little packets of peanut butter. I mean small packets, like small packets. Not the little the little ones that you rip the corner off and you squeeze it and it comes out. It's like a little cup. And every time, every now and then when I did have a peanut butter knife, it literally was like one and a half scoops and the whole thing was done. But it's such a reminder of what I've gone through and what I've been able to overcome because that peanut butter reminds me of what I overcame before. That what I'm going through now, what I've gone through since then. I can easily vanquish. I can easily conquer. I can easily overcome. Simple. Remember why you started, people. Whatever it is in your life, remember why you started. Remember that you can get through it. You as a human being are capable of so much. You're capable of so much. And you can get through it. If life was easy, everyone on this planet would be living a blissful life. They would be completely, 110% fulfilled. But like being a humanist process, putting in that work to get what you want to accomplish out of your life is also a process. You may be going through a hard time right now, so check your process. Check where it is. Check where the hiccup is. If the hiccup just happened before you got on this podcast and listened to me, go back and do a recall and see what happened so you learn from it. So you switch up the process, you pivot, so you continue to make progress. Reset the process so you continue to make progress. So what happened to you in the past happened, ED, does not happen again because you learn from it. It's like realizing... That your, I'll use, I'll use the NFL because I, lo- I love the NFL. Pittsburgh Steelers fan, Ben Roethlisberger, stand up. Anyways, hope he does not retire. Hope he plays at least one more year. But anyway, it's like realizing that in a three-step drop, 
the pocket normally closes like an average of four seconds unless you got a really nice O line they can stretch it out for you like Seattle with the one you got. You got, you know, Wilson in the back so he can run around. But anyway, if you don't get that ball out quick and they're blitzing and you throw an, you throw a uh, up an audible and you want your split receiver to go across the middle because you know the linebackers are the linebackers are blitzing. The first time you don't see it, you get picked off because you didn't tell your receiver to uh, to readjust or you get sacked. But once you go through that that experience, what do you do? You learn. You check off. Receiver catches the ball and they're gone. That separates mediocrity and average from the greats in life, not just in sports, but those who learn from their mistakes and pivot so it doesn't happen again. I learned not to be homeless again. How? By being resourceful. I put the work in so they knew me, so I was able to do certain things, and I paid attention to what my body needed to recover from my injury so I can still teach. Now, did I wish I had more time to recover so my ankles recover faster? Yes. But I wasn't going to give in to the fact that I couldn't teach because I still wanted to have my own place. I did not want to be homeless again. So I listened to my body. I pivoted in how I taught classes. I pivoted in how I moved in my classes so my body could still heal. When I was not teaching classes, I put my legs up and rested. That's the pivot. Where is your pivot? What is your pivot? What, what is your pivot? When you realize it, pivot your ass off so you keep making that progress. And you will absolutely love the results. Man, that's crazy. I enjoyed telling that story. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. I hope you learned something. I hope you can take away something that's going to lead your life into the direction you want it to go. I'm Curtis Pipes, and you've been listening to the Live Unapologetically podcast. And I'll end it with this. Peace and love. Be good to everybody. But most importantly, be great to yourself. Hey, what's up, my beautiful people? Curtis Pipes here. If you enjoy listening to this episode of Live Unapologetically, please subscribe, please review, and please rank this podcast so the more people that do so, like yourself, this will go around the world and impact more people. That is the goal, that is the intention, that is the entire vision. I appreciate your support. Thank you.